unidentifiable flying object. UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Sightings of UFOs. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It could only be anything. A UFO. Welcome to another episode of UFO No, the show that separates science fact from science fiction the best that we can. This is your break from the propaganda, the bad news, the treasonous politicians. Time to get elevated with me, dude named Ben Stoner from the LC Valley Hells Canyon. And with me back again, it's Mr. C. What's going on, bro? <laughs> How are you, dude? Good. Good, good. 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 Good to have you back, man. We missed you last time. Yeah. The, the Michael Cremo episode. I know. Dang it. Dude, it was rad. It was rad. He is old. I was, I was, uh, I was surprised. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, I, I hope he's doing well. I was, I was surprised by, uh, by how old he appeared to be. I, mm-hmm. I thought, uh, you know, every time I see him in interviews and stuff, he's, he's so, uh, he's so, I mean, I wouldn't say lively. He's pretty mild, mannered, you know, but yeah, but <laughs> yeah. definitely not. But wow. I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, but anyways, it was phenomenal talking to him. He's great. And so much knowledge. It was phenomenal. I, I love his take and his perspective and shit like that. Go check it out. Uh, last episode we did, we had Michael Cremo on with Floyd Wills, Heck dude. Yeah. Floyd joined me for that one. It was fantastic. Uh, it was wonderful anyways. So before we get too far along, I have to tell a story, okay, that happened to me recently. And I'm all about synchronicities. So I don't know if this is just crazy or if this is a synchronicity. So I figured I'd drop it on the show and see what y'all think. But I, as most of you know, I have a little CBD shop. And so in the CBD shop, somebody came in and they were, didn't seem to be like super crazy. I mean, these days it's hard to tell, you know, (laughs) but anyways, comes in and I go, how can I help you? And he says, I need you to put Google in reverse to Google. And I go, okay. And he says, the matrix is broken. (laughs) The matrix is broken. (laughs) And he says, Houston, we have a problem, right? He says all those three things in a row. And I go, so wait a minute, let me get this straight. You need me. You want me to punch in Google in reverse into Google? He says, yeah. (laughs) And then he says, Houston, we have a problem. The matrix is broken. (laughs) And then he, and then he left. Wow. And I was like, okay, that is either just a dose of crazy that happened to find me or it's a message. Yeah, I don't know. What so did it bring up when you put Google in reverse. Well, I was nervous <laughs> to do so, <laughs> so I was thinking, let's do it here. Heck yeah, shall we? Let's do. Oh, five I'm not even in Google, five. but let's let's do. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I thought I thought well we'll do it live on the show. Let's let's see it take my computer out. You know. So okay. So here we have it. Let me zoom it in. <laughs> Can you hear me okay, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Can you not hear yourself? I yeah, I can't hear. Oh, here. How about there that? Okay. Much, I, had the, I had the other one turned out. <laughs> uh, too many knobs. Uh, all right. So we got Google in reverse, which is E-G. No. No. E-L-G-O-O-G. E- 
El Goog. El Goog. El Goog. <laughs> Spanish. The Goog. <laughs> Google Mirror. Google I'm, Mirror. I'm El Goog, the ultimate hangout for Google enthusiasts. El Goog is a mirrored website of Google search with horizontally flipped search results. Huh. Also known as Google Mirror. That's weird. That is very odd. You should, El Goog. You should click on it and see what it what it looks like. All right. Let's 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 do some exploration. I don't know, dude. I think it's just a whole bunch of advertising for Google we just did. Yeah, it looks like it, huh? Isn't that weird? <laughs> I thought that was so odd. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. It just weirded me out. So I figured, well, I gotta bring that to my people because what yes. if it's something weird? Anyways, turns out it's dumb. It's advertising. <laughs> it turns, out, it turns out just something dumb. Anyways, well, look, I, now that that's out of the way, whoa, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for following our crazy El Goog experience. Uh, if you found something else, if you have some other results from that, uh, I'd love to know. Yeah, but let for us now, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so from the thumbnail, if you could not tell, if you didn't read it, we're talking about 1930s. That's pre-World War II. Crashes, discs, and abductions. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of different scenarios that involve all three of those things. And um, it's one of those, me and me and Mark here were, were talking about this before we went live, that we were saying, I said, you know, I really enjoy this time period mm -hmm. because there's a lot going on with the Nazis ramping up to World War II. There's a lot going on with what we know now is anti-gravity that was making uh, headway in the 1930s. In the 1950s, they had articles talking about it. So you had a lot of this, uh, these technological breakthroughs, research and development that was going on that was, that was kind of in the public, but not. Um, and that leads to World War II, that where at the, by the end of that, we had the greatest transfer of technology in human history, as far as we know. And uh so I think all that plays a part, but this is one of my favorite time periods to talk about because it's, it seems to be one of those times where it's like before technology got advanced or now it's a really, it's, it's really blurry lines of like, is it government? Is it alien? Whereas back then it all seemed to be alien, right? Mm -hmm. Cause we didn't have, I mean, we're talking about the early days of flight basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that I think also plays a part. It, it was the early days of flight. People were not used to seeing things in the sky as far as flying goes. And so that's where I think maybe a lot of that ramped up. I don't know. But anyways, we're going to talk a lot about it. But imagine the 1930s. If you can, we're talking about almost 100 years ago at this point. Uh, a decade before World War II, aviation is coming along. People worldwide start spotting all kinds of strange shit all over and as well as that mysterious creatures mm -hmm. along with uh with sightings of craft and whatnot um a lot of them were concentrated in north and south america europe russia and um it is kind of murky whether or not a lot of these people in these areas reported more because there was an actual surge of sightings or did they just record more because flight was now coming along and you had the war ramping up and you had a lot more R and D with flight. I don't know. Didn't don't you know. say war of the worlds was in 38, 38. Yeah. Yep. 
So, but I think this is mostly prior to these. Most of these are from the early 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course, in Europe, again, same thing happened. Lots of aerial stuff going on. Reports shot up. Um, was it the looming war that made everybody kind of jumpy? You know, was it a coincidence that that was all taking place and, and reports went up or or was it uh, was it simply because it was aliens? Um, and of course, the theories are that at this point, you know, this is when the, the world government started uh, paying more attention to sightings and reports that they started studying these things, um, which is debatable whether or not they really did or not. Um but here's the main here's the main thing. It's it's that what intrigues me the most is is the 1930s and the reports of these sightings is it like sneak peeks of what of the advanced technology that was coming down the bike? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh we're not going to go through all of them. There was a lot of sightings. What I will tell you is this. We're going to dig into some of the some of the better ones, I think. But Keep in mind that a lot of these, I would say the majority of these that we we're going to cover have no evidence or proof that any of these claims actually happened. So keep that in mind. A lot, some of these have just, you know, nicknames like M and L and shit like that. You know, (laughs) a lot of it's anonymous. (laughs) We're talking about the early thirties. Uh, reporting was not, I would imagine was not well organized. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I do think what I'm always fascinated by is the psychology and the cultural phenomenon that takes place around these encounters, the belief behind them all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah. Sure. So I think that plays a part, and that's why I like to talk about them. So even though it's there's not going to be a ton of evidence to go over, these aren't going to be like super shocking. Like, look at what we brought to the table. We brought proof of aliens. That'd be the first <laughs> yeah. ever. But I think years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. The pile, the mm-hmm. pile of of encounters and claims and sightings that that come out of the 1930s is fascinating. So let's go over some of them. Um, Let's start in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. People started reporting uh, bizarre zipping objects at uh, crazy speeds. Uh, Then in Western Australia. So that one's, I mean, you know, Pennsylvania, there wasn't much. (laughs) Just a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people uh, uh, observing shit. But then it was Western Australia. Again, this comes from how did they get a report from an Aboriginal man? But there's a report that an Aboriginal guy had an experience in the central desert when he was camping and he saw, I mean, didn't the Aboriginals like live out there they weren't like camping they yeah, were, i was gonna say i think they live out weren't, the weren't they the living desert, yeah. it wasn't like they he pulled in a fifth <laughs> wheel and he was camping around in the night he, he probably lived in the bush <laughs> you know he lived out there in the bush anyways <laughs> long-term camping he was long-term camping Glamping. he he saw a green light spinning in the sky and the short as he described these short men that were shining with green light popped out of the trees and they watched him and his tribe for a bit before vanishing back into the trees. 
Hmm. Then there's uh, Mazaki Grease, a blue diamond-shaped object flashing in the sky over a village, hung around for a few minutes before vanishing in the distance. Cincinnati, Ohio, an eight-year-old girl found a tiny man in a gutter. <laughs> the little guy was wearing a tight-fitting suit and a triangular-shaped head. Oh, weird. She huh? picked him up and he ran off. Oh, so she picked him up? She picked him up. What the hell? Yeah. So he's alive in the gutter. <laughs> he was alive in the gutter. Yeah. yeah she night, found him yeah. and picked him up. By the way, teach your kids not to touch other people's pets. Yeah. <laughs> then over in uh, Toulstay Croix, France, where we actually talked about some encounters in a previous episode, um, a person named MB, and we got to make up a name. So what would be the 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 MB? What would it be like Mabel Balanchek? I, I think Marion Barry. It's a good pie. Marion Barry? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's MB. Marion Barry, a great couple. Uh they were walking with a four foot tall a when a four foot tall little man appeared out of a ditch, gliding along the ground uh, along the ground, and then poof, vanished. Gliding. Hmm. And in a ditch. What well, maybe that could be an apparition, not just uh that, yeah, it sounds like an app. Not an alien, like an yeah. image they saw. Cause of yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> then in, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Tome and Towel, Scotland, two men walking along a quiet lane saw a bright light descending from the night sky. Inside the glowing object, they could see these strange creatures moving around. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you know, what? what's the hard part is like, with all of these is that there's, I mean, the one thing I do appreciate is that there's nobody going, it was a hundred feet long and it was 2000 feet high <laughs> yeah. and you know, all this stuff. Spice and I, football field, I could right? see clearly he had a handlebar mustache and, you know, chewing on a cinnamon stick. <laughs> so I like the fact that there's not all these crazy wild details that I generally feel that people just throw in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They always sound like real reports. Cause they're, they're just simple. Could be. It's like, the, I saw this. Right? The hard part is I tried to investigate all of these, right? Mm-hmm. I tried looking into them, finding pictures, actual reports, um, you know, all that stuff. I really couldn't find much aside from first, maybe secondhand, maybe thirdhand testimony. It was really, really difficult to find anything on these, but I thought, you know, again, it adds to the pile of what if. Mm-hmm. So I think they're worth going over, but we'll just kind of skim over some of the uh, the lesser important ones, I guess. Could all be important, but, you know, I mean, some of them seem to be a little bit more meaty than others. In Barcelona, Spain, 10-year-old boy Antonio Ribera saw a green light from his bedroom. He, when he checked it out, there was a weird figure standing in the glow. Couldn't make out the details, but after a bit, both the figure and the light were gone. Hmm. Uh, in Mantelandrin, Spain, during a strong thunderstorm, a witness caught in the rain stumbled upon a shirtless man with bare feet carrying a wooden cross. That's this, weird. Yep. Despite the heavy rain, this guy was completely dry. He disappeared right after walking past the witness. Now, to me, that sounds less alien mm-hmm. and more religious or like a vampiric thing carrying like a wooden cross you know oh see i imagined like a guy bearing a cross oh, but you're bearing, right it yeah. could be a guy just carrying a, a cross i wouldn't mm-hmm. i wouldn't jesus with it 
<laughs> I immediately was just like, well, he saw Christ yeah. carrying his cross. But yeah, you're right. It could have been just somebody carrying a cross. Mm-hmm. And he was completely dry. So See, that's the weird thing. Yeah. yeah. And you think about in Spain, right? That's heavy Catholic. Yes. So to me, that's like superstitious religion. Yeah. The, no, coming through sense, right there yeah. instead of alien. Mm-hmm. So some of these, I think, are taken as though they're alien beings or just because it was a vision, they're going to throw it in there as this report that had to do with aliens because it was in the same area or not same area, but same time period. It's kind of the unexplainable. Right? Yes, exactly. But, you know, again, for me, I think uh, very religious area. The culture, very Catholic, so Christ and the cross and all that stuff, that's very deep in the culture. Mm-hmm. So could it be that? Doesn't explain why the guy was dry, though. It's a miracle. It's a miracle <laughs> to keep him dry. Yeah, that's right. Then in Wayne County, Tennessee, a local resident reported seeing little men with wrinkled faces near the woods. At the same time, there was a strange bright light moving in the sky. And the witness, they got spooked, started running from the beings. And next thing they knew, they woke up in a field with no sign of the creatures. Hmm. So that sounds like an abduction there. Could be. They woke up in a field or a lapse of time, right? Could be. They don't say anything about, again, I couldn't find any reports. You know, I mean, the hard part is there's hardly any names. Yeah, it's no, all like vague, we yeah. have the one that's Antonio Rivera. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything about it. I looked up areas, you know, in in the area, like in this one, Wayne County, Tennessee. I looked up residents reporting little men, you know, wrinkled faces, things like nothing. Hmm. And so I'm like, well, did it really happen? Did it not happen? Is there people that are reporting these things? more modern and making it out as though are the, I mean, what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it just hearsay or I don't really out? know what to think about these, but I thought, again, I thought they're out there in the culture of UFOs. So we're kind of obligated to go over them. If we're out here to kind of break it down and see what's what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It builds up to what's, yeah, what's so modern to yep. me. Obviously I have a huge pet peeve with not putting in names, huge pet peeve. But then when you don't have like any specifics whatsoever, it's really, really difficult, really, really difficult. Um, but either way, again, because they're in the culture of the UFO phenomenon, they're kind of thrown in there. Mm-hmm. I think they're worth going over. Uh, Glenwood, Washington, There was a guy in the fields helping out with ranch work, uh, takes a route, some light woodland, suddenly realizes it's eerily quiet, no wind, no birds, no nothing. He approaches a ridge, sees a massive shadow that covers him. When he looks up, he sees a giant object blocking out the sun. Hmm. So that could be like a, a ship over him. Could be a ship, yeah. Also in Washington, not sure which area, a guy witnessed a rectangular object in the sky with a smaller rectangle under the underside that acted like a mirror reflecting the ground. That's and really weird. That's the one I told you about. So mm-hmm. the one, this is the one I'm going to play a little short clip here. Um, talking about active camouflage or what they call is adaptive camouflage. 
Now, I'm not saying that this did or didn't exist in the 1930s. Obviously, I don't know. But we do know that there seemed to be a ramping of technology, ramping up of technology with the Nazis going into the early mid thirties before world war two. Um, there was some anti-gravity things going on. There was very, very interesting R and D research and development going on in the 1930s. So my argument always is we don't know what all technology was developed in the thirties. I think there was a lot of shit that was covered up. So with that being said, Here's this clip that kind of shows what adaptive camouflage is for those that are unaware. Um, there's no sound or anything like that for the video. So me and Mark are going to basically break it down for you. But what it shows in this video is a pre kind of a, 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 a preempt to mm-hmm. is that they are able to put these little hexagonal shapes uh they're like plates all over this tank in this case is what the video is showing a tank and they're able to black out certain ones and light up other ones to one show words on the side of this craft and then two is make it look like a car when it's actually a tank which is very interesting but here we go for those watching you know All right, so again, you have a tank going in there. It's very blank, and then it just disappears, vanishes. And they show all these plates being put on this tank. And then they show from a radar shot that they're able to make this tank look like a car. And they're showing how, like, they can put an X on a vehicle if they want. They can, isn't, it's just weird. It's crazy. It's Mm. super, super (laughs) crazy. So they can do a lot of interesting things with these plates. The question is, was that type of stuff being implemented back in the 30s? Is that something that could have been developed back then? I don't think so. Well, in this video, is it looks like it's a thermal vision. Yeah, thermal too. vision. Yeah. So it's pointing that out. So there's probably some kind of heat. Yeah, Signature. so with the naked eye, would it do the same thing? Probably not. Mm-hmm. That's but it what is, I wonder too. But it yeah. is very interesting is that it was acting like a mirror reflecting the ground. Which that could be done if you're up in the sky looking up. Very much so. reflect that back. Very much so. So it's interesting. It is interesting. But anyways, keep that in mind. Things like adaptive camouflage. Is it that? You know, an, an advanced alien race, I would assume would have something like that. I mean, I would assume so, especially if you're like doing prime directive shit. Yeah, the cloaking technology. Yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, it makes sense to have the the uh, cloaking technology ability, especially if you're like, if you're researching beings. Let's say you are a a, a universe exploring like... Um, biologist mm-hmm. or you know uh uh what's a what's a, a a profession that studies animals oh like a uh, marine biologist, yeah, marine biologist or, a, or you know or any type of other biologist like a bug there you go yep. all right so imagine there's a fleet of those that every culture that exists you know if we <clears throat> if we believe these people that claim that there's 
thousands and thousands of cultures that exist in the universe with all these different types of aliens. Well, I would imagine that they similarly have these trained sciences that are wanting to study other beings, other races, other, you know, life like we do. So when they come to a planet like Earth where we have these white apes, white and black and, you know, all these multicolored apes running around that seem to be obsessed with technology, um, it's going to be interesting to study them. So is it something like that? And that they're observing the prime directive by cloaking themselves. Yeah, because they don't want to be seen, right? It's just like Star They're Trek. failing at it. Yeah. They, they're failing yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why humans are obsessed with aliens is everybody claims they've seen one. Like, oh, let's just show them a little bit. There's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> a blue yeah. triangle in the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so on top of that, the object that he, according to this person, um, slowed down and these bright balls of light popped out from underneath it and headed straight for this guy. And he felt like he was running on a sponge when he tried to run away and even sensed that he was being pulled backward when he tried to escape. As your tractor beam. <laughs> dude, dude, I've said for a long time, all you need to do to pull off uh, abduction for government is a tractor beam. Yeah. Um, so then he claims that the object was at least a mile long. There you have it. Mm -hmm. And a half mile <laughs> wide. His grandfather backed up the story saying similar things happened to locals who lived in the area. Apparently, Washington is a hot spot. Oh, it's right next to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a photo, actually. There is a photo of this um, witness, another story comes from Alaska around the same time. Again, it's all in the 1930s. But a grandson, the grandson of this witness, so this was back in the 30s when they apparently captured this, and he didn't share it until the 2000s, right? That's kind of weird. Why, it why is wait weird. that long? Why right? wait that long, indeed. Yeah. I, yeah, it's very weird. But... Here's what it is. This guy claims that in the remote wilderness, he sees a creature and decides to follow it. And the creatures like dodged him, playing hard to get. Eventually, the witness gets close enough, snaps a picture. And this is the picture that he captures. And so for those that can see, you basically, or that can't see it, that are only listening, you're basically, you've got wooded area. Looks like he's almost on a road, mm -hmm. right? On the edge of the road. There looks like an edge of road. And on the side of the road is a kind of a pale being. It looks like it's about three feet tall. Maybe. Four, I maybe, mean, it's or... hard to know because we don't know how tall the trees are. Well, look at the stumps and stuff. Though, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So it's pretty short. The fallen log behind him. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good point. Uh so there's this white being. It kind of looks like what the typical alien, you know, with the black eyes. Otherwise, you can't really see any distinct features whatsoever. Um, but he claims that uh, what's interesting about the picture is there's a blurred part of the alien near its right arm. Hmm. Let me see. I think I have. Yeah. 
And so this is when the apparently, according to this grandson of the witness, which mind you, we have no names. We have no names whatsoever. All we have is a really fuzzy picture, right? But according to the grandson, he subjected the photograph to, as he says, intense analysis, which doesn't doesn't say how or what or anything. Um, zooming in. <laughs> zooming in. Yeah. Enhance. Yes. Enhance. <laughs> he made out what appeared to be the form of a smaller creature, a smaller figure, as he has outlined here. Well, so could it be like materializing in? Because it's kind of weird. I don't. See I mean, I don't see it. I see a face, <coughs> but that could but, be the hand. Yeah, it could be. Could it could be curled. That could in. be the hand of the being. Yeah, it could. It actually kind of looks like a hand. See the it, thumb. Yeah, the fingers kind of. Yeah, and there's full shadowing. You see the shadow on the mm-hmm. on the ground. I don't see this being at all. I don't either. That's kind of like when we looked at those portals. We saw yeah. those beings that they were so like, oh, that I'm not in. sure of. Hmm. So. Um, and he claims that the more he looked at the image, the more he contemplated whether this smaller being was a child. Mm. So he argues that, you know, did the grandfather capture a mother or father alien and their child? And is that the reason why they were dodging him? Look, all the stories of alien beings being super advanced, having a craft that can land and fly in the cosmos. Why wouldn't they shoot this motherfucker? (laughs) Right. (laughs) If they're actually like, they're worried about their child, they're not going to just vaporize some dipshit out in the woods. Well, yeah. Why would you bring your child with you? Right. If you're on some kind of exploration thing, you know, there's beings. Well, that aside, I mean, look, you're in a super advanced alien race. Maybe they're anti-gun. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're the Amish version of aliens cruising around in a in a stagecoach uh, UFO landing and being like, peace Kyle. thy brother, turn thy another cheek or yeah. whatever. I don't know. But it seems odd to me. You know, and like he goes, they say, and this is a very human thing to do, is they say that, oh, is it because... That, you know, because of their child being there, that's why they were evading like most animals and humans would do to protect their child. And it's like, well, that's a very human thing to apply Mm -hmm. to an alien that we have no idea how much they value midgets. (laughs) Exactly. We have no idea how much they value. We There are animals that eat their young. Yes, they are. Yeah. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because maybe they're hungry at some times, and maybe they're, I don't know. Yeah, crocodiles keep their young in their mouth, and they probably swallow a couple <laughs> probably. of Probably. <laughs> you know? Bears have been known to eat their young. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of these things. So, um, in fact, there's a bunch of animal species where the father is, like, separated from the mother and the child because it's a known thing. The father will kill mm-hmm. the child as out of... Uh, out of um, um, ter- uh, uh, territorial or hunger. Yeah. yeah or mm-hmm. like a, you know, like an alpha male type thing. Yes. Yeah. And 
So it's like, well, that's a very, very human thing to say is like, oh, because they were trying to protect their child, they were running away from us. Like, dude, I one, you don't even know if there was a child <laughs> Two, you don't know if that's a being or not. So that's a lot of assumptions, a lot of assumptions. And then on top of that, you're throwing on very earth like characteristics onto a being that you have no idea again how they value their own offspring's life look at the shadow in the image number one yeah so you see if well and let's go back to the bigger image yeah. in the bigger image and look we'll we'll zoom in a little bit here because i don't see anything down there because the shadow would be completely covered there yeah which it's not whoa, whoa, whoa. see the shadow there it's mm -hmm. it's it's a straight line so if there was another individual or something in front of that area mm -hmm. that wouldn't be it'd be broken you wouldn't see it but see how dark it is right off the yep the edge of the being and then yeah. it gets kind of trailed away if there was another entity there that would be gone you wouldn't see that yep i agree so i think this guy is one this image is interesting mm -hmm. but we have no no context whatsoever yeah because i don't see the i see just the one being yeah and that you know that in itself is strange but yeah it's like why add this other why add it, to it right? yeah well because it's 2000 now mm -hmm. and this guy needs a career yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he needs he needs something to bring his uh you know bring uh, uh honor to his family name who yeah. knows <laughs> who knows but it is interesting mm -hmm. it is very interesting um but again i don't you know, no names, no evidence aside from that image, you know, so who really knows? Um, then in Bolivia, there was a shepherd out uh, that was running around, uh, up his animals. All of a sudden, a bright light illuminates the entire area. Even his dog is antsy, sticking close by. Excuse me. Uh, without really knowing what was going on, the shepherd ducks into the nearby trees, sees a glowing object cruise through the sky. His All of his animals get spooked, scattered in different directions. The glowing object uh, comes down, and the shepherd spots four human-like figures in the fields, leaping around, as he describes, well, later on, described much later, almost like the Apollo astronauts on the moon. Now think about that. The sighting happens in the 30s. Mm -hmm. After the 60s, all of a sudden, it's attributing that bouncing around as though the astronauts on the moon. So as culture changes, because I bet you in the 40s, he didn't talk about Oh, it's bouncing around like the astronauts did on the moon. No, no, exactly. No, that's like an anti-gravity. Yes. You know, thing, which again, the other thing is earth doesn't have that type of gravity. No, maybe to them, but so this sounds to me like, and I'm going to be a dick here, but it sounds to me like a guy that doesn't understand gravity that he <laughs> thinks that because the alien experiences gravity a different way on their planet means they're going to experience gravity a different way here on earth, which is true, but not in the way of bouncing around. Mm -hmm. They're going to be weighted down. Right? Yeah. You think they'd have some technology with sensors to see, okay, the gravity is X here in this particular yeah. 
planet. We need to adjust for that. Because right? I would uh, look. I uh, obviously it's based on density and mm-hmm. weight, right? Yeah. So even if they're like super heavy on their planet, and then they come to our planet, they're still not going to be like bouncing around, are they? It's like Superman. No. Yeah. You wouldn't. You wouldn't think that. Cause... I wouldn't think so. So to me, I feel like that is coming from someone that doesn't understand how gravity works. Yeah, it's like an association. Right? So, yeah, anyways, I don't know. But, I mean, it could be anything. But, anyways, either way, he says that they are four human-like figures, except they're smaller than your average person. Couldn't see their faces, but here's another interesting thing. Couldn't see their faces, called them human-like. However... Something about them, something about them made him feel that they weren't human. Well, that's coming out of the craft. Mm-hmm. You know, automatically you're going to think non-human. Uh, just like that, then poof, there was a light. Figures vanish into thin air. And uh, after this encounter, the shepherd starts having visions of the future. <laughs> Hence the uh, association with the bouncing on. I don't know. I don't know. The the moon, right? I don't know. Mm. Maybe. But interesting. Mm -hmm. I just like how, like, there's a lot of assumptions. I assume they're not human. I assume that they're, you know, that this being has is a father and a mother, and there's another being there. And you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's a lot of assumptions going on. And that happens with sightings. It just happens. So then there's another one. The Rankin family, Greensboro, North Carolina, May 30th, uh, May 30th, May 1930. Uh, top shaped object, 40 feet wide, dark in color, descends from the sky and lands in their yard. Mr. and Mrs. Rankin, along with their daughters, Catherine and Mary, are watching in shock. And they see the head and shoulders of a humanoid figure inside the mysterious craft. Uh, wearing a tight one-piece suit and a snug helmet. Hangs out in their yard for a few moments, then zips back in the sky in complete silence. Why? Why? (laughs) Why? That's my question exactly. Why that family? Why that place? Why land it all? Why? Yeah, and then expose yourself and then go away really quick, you know? It makes no sense. Maybe to say, okay, we're here. For what? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Why? To make a family keep questioning their own sanity? (laughs) I don't get it. I just don't get it. That's the thing that gets me is I don't understand why. Like assuming they're real aliens, Mm -hmm. assuming they're real aliens. What reason do you have to land near a family, near anybody just to take off again? To put fear in the psyche of people. Is that what it is? Possibly, right? It's before the war. Oh, so you're thinking like maybe not alien? You're thinking like Nazi? Well, or maybe an alien species that's working with the particular government at the time. Oh, an alien species working with Nazis? Mm-hmm. Dude, that's the scariest. <laughs> that to me, that, you know, again, like one of the things, you know, all these people that are like, oh, yeah, you know stranger in the Pentagon and you know, Oh, aliens are helping our government. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a terrible idea. I don't want that Who to signed happen up for that. Right? I don't No way, man. No way. I don't, I don't want, look, 
if an alien came to me and asked me one piece of advice, I'd be like, don't talk to anybody in the government Mm -hmm. because they're shysty bastards. It's just the way it is. Uh, All right. So now we're going to fast forward a little bit. Same year. But uh, later on in the summer was Lisbon, Ohio. A young boy is walking through the woods when he spots these strange whitish creatures no facial features running around the trees watching them for a few minute minutes. He didn't seem to bother him. So he quickly makes his exit. Is that alien? Could be pygmies. You know, there's a lot of Pig, things. Yes. The albino pygmies <laughs> yes. of Ohio. Yes. Yeah. The albino that I love it. The albino pygmies in Ohio. Yes, dude. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Uh, what else though? What well, do you think? Could it be like fairies? <laughs> well, it could be like the, there fae. were no gays back then. No, <laughs> yeah, well, kidding, different type kidding. of fairies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. So throughout all of history and medieval times and, and fantasy, there is small beings, right? Like yep, fairies, yep, yep. pixies and leprechauns and yeah. weird shit. <laughs> yeah, right? Indeed. Indeed. So, hmm. so yeah, I wonder. So some of these, like I said, I mean, that one, like that other one that I felt was more religious than it was alien. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this. Yeah, it's very generalized. There's no craft. Yep. There's no wishing away. There's no zipping away. There's no there's no technology involved. So to me, that seems more earthbound than aliens. It's goblins. <laughs> Wait, uh, yeah. Who who knows? Who you know knows? I mean? yeah. Exactly. Um, and man, I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know, I guess it would depend on the circumstances, but would you run? No, I get out my red rider BB gun. <laughs> 1930s. Come on. <laughs> my red rider BB Careful kid gun. Shoot your eye out. <laughs> oh man. It's almost Christmas. There you go. Just, <laughs> just catch an alien butt cheek. <laughs> Pow. <laughs> Oh, man, you're going to cause a war with the entire human race. Yeah, it's already started. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Good point. Um, over in uh, Cumbria, England, Havrig Dunes is where it was. A 13-year-old boy named Philip is heading to the sand dunes to meet a friend. Out of the woodland, a creature appears about his height, human-like face, but covered in reddish-brown fur. Hmm. And it had a silver plate on its chest. Philip turned and ran back home. See, once again, that sounds like a cryptid or some kind of fantasyful creature that could mm-hmm. be like a, I don't, I don't know, like a troll or something, you know, something weird. Yeah. Why is not a plate alien. on it? Yeah. Something not alien. Because how often do we hear? I mean, the only thing is the silver plate. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. It could be armor, though. Could be armor. It also could have been like maybe something stuck to him. Yeah. It's you know, maybe it wasn't hair, even right? like, yeah, who knows? Hmm. Um, then in Maize Vendée, France, an anonymous woman, but we got to make up a name. What's her name? An anonymous woman? Uh, her name's anonymous. That's what they said, <laughs> an anonymous woman. But I won't stand for it. Mrs. So we Jones. have to make a name. Mrs. Jones. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, Mrs. Jones. I'm like, all right. Uh, and Mrs. Jones and her friends were driving along a quiet road when they spotted a strange red sphere in the sky. 
and it seemed to be following their car. A few minutes later, it changed direction, disappeared. Hmm. That, I mean, that could be anything. So it was a red sphere. Red sphere in the sky by Mrs. Jones and her friends. It's following the car at a, it was seemed to be, as they say, seemed to be. Now, when you look at the moon, not saying it was the moon, but Mm -hmm. when you look at the moon, let's say the moon's hanging in the sky just off the horizon, right? And you're driving along. Does it not appear as though the moon is going with you? Oh, it could be a blood moon, too, so it's red. Is that what it was? Hmm. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Seems to me like it could have been. By the way, what kind of cars were there in the 1930s? <laughs> what kind of cars? Not not the best, probably. I was right? going to say. I'm Should just curious. big. 1930s cars. Oh, dude, it's like the uh, it's like supercharged. It's like the uh, 101 Dalmatians. Oh, Corella Deville. Yeah, that lady. (laughs) There's like a bullet car, man. Bullet car. See that one on the right there? Yeah. So there's like a little racer, and above it, look at that thing. Yeah, dude. It's like the Corvette of the future. (laughs) The Corvette (laughs) of the future. That's from the 30s. The 30s. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So they were just past, like, in the 30s, that looks like Model Ts, but they're fancier. You've got, like, the yeah. uh, super, like, the V12, some of the big. Yep. Interesting, Those huh? Cadillacs, all kinds of stuff. Huh. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So they probably weren't going very fast. I would imagine they were going probably no. about 45 and really chugging along. There's some weird stuff. Look at the concept yeah, cars. Yeah, dude. Some of the concept cars. I know it's not funny. Giant pickle. Indeed. Oh, shit. That is definitely the Corella DeVille car. Yes, it is. For sure. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, cruising along in one of those fancy rigs. And, um, again, I think it's a case where they saw something like a, a blood moon. Mm-hmm. And that's why they thought it was following them. Um, and then it would disappear in the distance as they started taking turns driving, and, you know, I mean, hills, look, yeah. I don't know how dumb these broads were, <laughs> you know, maybe they were real, maybe, maybe in, uh, Maya say Von D in France, they make these chicks real dumb. <laughs> Could have absolutely. I know. Maybe she was high on cappuccino. <laughs> I, <laughs> cappuccino. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Chasing the dragon. <laughs> That's right. In uh, Monta Bay, Bay Nikki Bay. Oh, hold on. Monta Bay Nikki Nikki Monte Bay Nikki Italy. <laughs> I have a friend of mine that's going to be very upset that I mispronounced <laughs> that. Uh, a farmer had a uh, was washing. Oh, it was her. Oh, it was her. A okay. female farmer. By the way, how many female farmers were there in the 1930s? Well, it was after the Depression, so probably oh, quite a few people yeah. had to actually farm and do certain things to get by. That's a that's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about that after the Depression. Yep, through the Depression. Yep. Yeah, look at that. Spend an average women farm women spend an average of sixty six hours a week. So if you think you work working, now, get over. Wow, <laughs> women <laughs> and girls insured wow. food and security and kept farms running by raising, processing, and preserving food crops and processing animal products. Wow, 
That's amazing. And back then, too, they had to also put stuff like in the ground to preserve it. There was a lot more processes to, yeah. to do. It wasn't just, here you go, put it in your fridge, right? Wow. Well, here she is, an Italian farmer getting after it at her home, <laughs> washing her clothes. She hears a weird whistling sound, and then a strong wind hits her. And when she looks up, there's an odd-shaped craft that lands nearby. A hatch opens, ladder comes down, and two humanoid figures step out. And one of them reaches for her stockings, and then without... Any explanation, they jump back in the craft and it takes off. Hmm, had to tie a shoe. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, seriously, a lot of these are strange. It's like they just pop down yeah. and then go away. And that's where I get this idea like they're trying to do stuff all over the world to get people to be like, oh, crap, we're here, you know? But why not give them something to go off of? I mean, anything. Yeah. You know, like you're not leaving them with anything. You're. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to go tell people who aren't going to believe them. Yeah, it's true. There's so what's no the what's the like, what's the purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's either a case of they just think that we all because we're a, a majority of people are like superstitious, religious, whatever it is, that they assume that everybody's just on board and that everybody believes everybody. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But it does seem very odd. Um. Pennsylvania, Virginia, Pitts, Pitts, Pittsylvania, Pittsylvania, not Pennsylvania, <laughs> Pittsylvania, Pittsylvania, Virginia. Hold on. Where is, yeah, where this is that magical land of Pittsylvania, <laughs> Virginia? Holy shit. That's kind of badass. That's a Sherman tank with a, it's a uh, county. There's a whole county, Pittsylvania County in Virginia. Hmm. That's so funny. So it's a pretty broad area. It's not an actual town, then. It's a county, huh? Well, it's a town, but it's, it's also a, a county. county huh? Yeah, so, like, they have, uh, like, there's a place uh, over in uh, Oregon, Wallowa County. Oh, yeah. But they the also town, have a town, Wallowa. Yep. Mm-hmm. A local resident was out for a walk when he hears a loud humming sound from behind a knoll. Curiosity gets the best of him, checks it out, and a large aluminum-colored disc is sitting 70 feet away. Two to three feet tall, two three-foot-tall beings in green overalls, coveralls, and strange helmets are collecting soil samples and vegetation. After a few minutes, they get back in their disc and take off. See, that seems more plausible. They're actually doing something. Science. Yeah, they're, they're not, actually not collecting samples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hmm. Interesting. They're not dancing around in the woods. Yeah, they seem to be scientists. Yeah, they're they're inspecting where they've come to. So, is know? it a case of there's thousands of different types of aliens out there that happen to be landing on Earth, and they're doing different random shit? Like Sasquatch, <laughs> literally. Could like, it be Sasquatch? Is, I mean, is he a scientist? You is know? he actually? Is he not a, a a wood dwelling? He just happened to be spotted in the woods. Hmm. Maybe he's actually like a like a Chewbacca type. Well, they want to stay away from us. Is probably why. Maybe, maybe. I just again, it it makes me wonder. Well, then why are you landing here? If you want to stay away from humans, there's 8 billion of us. Mm. Why are you wanting to land here? Well, there's other places to go. 
True. There's like islands in the middle of nowhere. True, you know? but they seem to be fucking that up yeah. and landing <laughs> everywhere where there's people to fu- to see them. Yeah. So I don't get that. Um, Salisbury, England. A whole family got woken up by their dogs going nuts outside when they went to investigate. They see strange men by the fence and the dogs are going crazy. The guy's dressed in an odd tuxedo type suit, staring at the dogs in the family. When they try to approach him, he backs away and heads up the road. Uh, again, why? That's like a men in black thing. I mean, because he's wearing black. Yeah. Yeah. But he's in a suit. Huh? But. I mean, is it something like that? Is it, is that he wasn't even alien? He was some creeper government dude <laughs> that was just watching well, the family. England too. So. England, yep, yeah, they're all weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're like, yep, they sure are. Well, when you give away your rights, it's not very cool. <laughs> you do, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um. In over the Tasman Sea, a pilot reported seeing a dull gray-white airship that was pearl-shaped, flashing brightly. At one point, it straight it went straight up, vanished, then reappeared, and after hanging around for a bit, it zoomed off. Hmm. Just a kind of a brief. Nineteen thirty-one. Well, it sounds kind of like what I saw. You know, I saw that weird like seed shape thing true. driving yeah. down, and it very true. Saw it for a second, then it vanished in like the clouds really quickly. Yeah, that's you know, it's like a one liner. It's what I well, and as I've said before, pilots mistake things all the time. Yes, it's a known thing. Remember that? Uh, uh, what was his name? Scott something. He was the one of the twins, twin astronauts. Uh, oh. And he was saying, he was the one that said, Scott and Mark Kelly, I think it was Mark, because Scott went up to the space station. I can't remember which one it was that said, but either way, one of them said, because they looked the same, they were <laughs> identical, uh, had said that pilots have rendezvoused on buoys in the ocean, thinking it was their wingman. Oh, wow. Huh. That's how crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like, dude, in 1931, how easy was it to do mistaken identity? There's hardly any r- radars, if any, in 1931. Yeah, there's like nothing. That's there's like, nothing. That's like the, uh, right after like the Red Baron. Yeah. <laughs> you think about like World War One. So you have hardly any instruments to tell you what's what. And now you're almost entirely reliant on eyewitness. And yet we know that the eyewitness uh, is not good. No, it's, it's not good. Um, in Crimea, there was a guy, Mr. Yakov Tubin Shikov. I totally got that wrong, but either way, <laughs> that's Russian. Uh, Tabin Shikov, uh, saw a globe shaped object chilling over his house that was see-through like completely transparent with no, as he said, no visible means of propulsion. They claim that a humanoid figure was casually sitting on an invisible chair wearing a red outfit and a helmet. It was Santa. <laughs> it was Santa. <laughs> With a helmet. <laughs> After a while, it just took off. Well, Santa wears a helmet these days. It's rough <laughs> out right. there. It's rough That's out right. there in the 1930s, especially. War was on the horizon. It was mobsters back then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
So my question is, why is the entire craft invisible, but the dude in a red suit is not? Yeah, that's really weird, too. Like, why not make your whole, like, why? What? Shown, why? You know? Yeah. Again, there's a lot of questions. Is like, well, why leave yourself open like that? Mm-hmm. Why do it that way at all? I don't get it. Um, there was a conductor in Cannes, 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 Cannes France. Is it Cannes France? Mm-hmm. Cannes France, <laughs> Mister Blanc, <laughs> and Cannes France driving a streetcar saw a gray, white, luminous object right in front of him. As it got closer, a humanoid figure pops up in the middle of it. Blank or Blanc is just standing there, probably in shock. Watches as the figure gets sucked up into a cloud hovering overhead. Once the figure is gone, poof, object rises in the air, disappears. Hmm. So there, there's your tractor beam right there. <laughs> Except in the form of a, like a, a whirlwind. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, that's very strange. Yeah. And again, the argument is, well, why in front of all those people? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it is interesting. Um. Highbridge, New Jersey, two young brothers, Howard and Alton Manger, spot two disc-shaped objects in the sky. Howard was nine at the time, and he described them as 10 feet across, reflecting the sun brilliantly. And the boys got closer. Another large object shows up higher in the sky, but before they can check it out, the blinding flash of white light and both objects are gone. Those are really small. They're only 10 feet. 10 feet across. And there was two of them? Two of them. (laughs) I think drone. Yeah, but this is in what, 1931? Dude, you know what? It's funny you say that. We (laughs) looked up, me and Ed, way back uh, in another episode, looked up how early drones got started. And it was, we were talking about 1800s, dude. Really? Yeah. That's like some of that Tartarian stuff, huh? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not like it was anything crazy, but still. No, probably simplistic. Still, though. Well, there's uh, electric Aerial cars. technology, 1970. 1917. Yeah. And wow. it was, yeah, first drone to fly under control. So it's like an RC plane. Yep. Could be. And you could have 10 feet wide. I mean, yeah. you're talking about in 1917, how far do you need to put that together? Yeah, that's that makes sense. Just basically a large RC. Yep. And, dude, Ed blew my mind that day. We were talking about, because we were talking about another case where some people saw red lights. Hmm. And it was like the 1950s. And and I was like, I don't know. Could it have been drone technology? And I said the same thing. I'm like, yeah, but how how far advanced was drone technology then? And Ed was like, well, I don't know. So we looked it up. And sure as shit, it goes a lot further back than I thought. Yeah, because there's still radio frequency at that time. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, so it could have been. It could have been. Um, and even the fact that it's reflective doesn't even have to be metal. No. Could have been a balloon. Yeah. Could have been some weird uh, remote-controlled balloon thing. Mm-hmm. In uh, Vinukovo, Russia, I don't know how that's, <laughs> Nikovo, Nikovo, uh, something like that. Um, according to Valery Kukushkin's, Kukushkin's <laughs> files, uh, who is a UFO researcher, there was a 12-year-old girl named Vera Alexandrovna who claimed she saw a flying ship over her village. Apparently, it caused a huge wave in the river 
as it flew by and then landed in a nearby field. And the ship then, here's what it gets really weird. It dug itself into the ground hmm. until it was almost completely submerged. Weird, right? Yeah, that's very strange. Why now, would it? Huh. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, what if the all these times when somebody, let's say somebody sees something crash, right? Like the Roswell thing. Mm -hmm. Farmers see something crash, goes over to see what's up. Now, there's stories that say that he saw bodies. There's stories that say that he saw the craft. There's stories that say that by the time he got there, the military was already there. What if these craft bury themselves in the ground and what they're seeing is the cover-up of the military? Hmm. Because I have never heard a case. This is the first time I had heard a case where a craft dug itself into the ground. Maybe it's going into a tunnel underground. Oh, maybe. Maybe it wasn't digging itself. Maybe it is a sinkhole. Yeah, it went like a sinkhole or like some kind of uh, entrance. And in it kind of looked like it was burying itself. I mm -hmm. don't know. That's a good point. I didn't think about that either. That kind of goes to that hollow earth idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if there's actual beings here that are advanced in the in the earth and it's yeah, going yeah. The, those but tunnels. isn't that weird though? That's very yeah, you don't hear that Buries at all. Buries yourself. No, I've never heard that. I've never heard that point of like of um you know that it's uh you know, will bury itself in the ground. That's super weird. Yeah, you've heard about like craft going the ocean. Exactly. But not in the ground. Exactly. Though. That's right. So yeah, it makes me wonder like What's up with that? Hold on. Apologize. I had to put something up so I could watch it. Just make sure that we're doing good on the live stream. Thanks, everybody, by the way, for joining the show. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Um, so that being said, um, let me get my poop in a group here. <laughs> All right. So, um, After it was landed, after it landed and got submerged almost completely from what they said, um, there were these sightings from people in the village that started seeing all these green little men. And Vera, the girl Vera, described them and others apparently described them as having greenish brown tint to their skin. And sallow complexions. And I didn't know what the fuck sallow <laughs> meant. But I looked it up. Sallow refers to skin that has lost its natural complexion. This is when a person appears yellow or brown in tone, especially in the face. So like uh, jaundice or something, right? Yeah. Because you're more like yellowish, yeah. pale. Hmm. So what's interesting to me is this. First of all, we're talking about, and obviously it's 12-year-old girl. We don't know. But how does she know what the natural complexion of this being is? Have you ever seen Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? <laughs> <laughs> Not a 1930s no. fifth grader. No. Not a 1930s no. fifth grader. But I wonder, like... How does she know what this being's actual complexion is? 
You know what I mean? Yeah, because that is kind of strange. It's almost like maybe they talked to like the the parent or something that was. You know, yeah. Like, where did this story come from? Did exactly. Come from a twelve year old girl, or was this? Yeah. Regurgitated numerous That's times. That's right. right. Exactly. Which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Happens a lot. So I don't know. That's a weird one. Apparently, this Vera girl got up close and personal with one of them hmm. and said it looked like a boy, but with a completely emotionless face. No toes on its feet, four fingers, no thumbs. Weird. Yeah, so that's just like four little. Yeah. Without a thumb, you can't do much, though. No. <laughs> it seems it seems like I, again. Once I mean, I I, I feel like it's a lot of like mistaken identity because mm-hmm. I can't imagine an alien surviving long without thumbs. <laughs> I mean, imagine a human that didn't have thumbs. Unless your hand can curl around, so we have to use our thumb, right? But if your hand can crumple in use your four fingers to grab something that's a good point that's different anatomically because we have like little plates that you know float around in our hand that's a good point But if your hand was kind of squished you could use your fingers to grab at things Hmm. i didn't think about that but it is strange it is strange then people started talking about how they were seeing a taller version of these creatures almost adult size And that the tall guy had a face full of expression and movement. And this is where it gets weird is that some folks, including UFO investigators later on, of course, started speculating whether the tall ones were some kind of leader to the smaller ones. So like the grays and the tall whites, like biological robots, Mm -hmm. which I think the grays, most of them are. Living robots. I mean, the hard part is, I mean, we can't even prove they exist, let alone what they really are. (laughs) Exactly. You know, so again, it goes into like, I think a lot of these UFO investigators went in and started spreading word and word got around and influenced the testimony of these girls. Yeah, because you can do that pretty easy, right? Power of suggestion. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It could be. So these greenish little men, apparently they stuck around the village for several days going into people's homes at night with tiny, shiny tanks that had multiple tubes. And they would do these, apparently, according to these UFO investigators and the girls, that they would conduct tests on half-sleep folks then move on to the next house like a like a in the field abduction scenario that's really freaking weird huh? it is weird but they knew they were there and they were doing this supposedly and they're half asleep half asleep so they're testing maybe their beta waves or something to see how i don't know are. that's really bizarre it is very bizarre hmm. and were the smaller like biological robot types were they doing the experiments for the tall ones and the tall ones were like collecting the data. Yeah. I wonder that's really, it's that's weird. really strange. It's yeah. very, very odd. And obviously that's if you buy the whole thing. I mean, you know, it's hard to know what, what's the case, what really took place. Well, why would you let something do that to you? Why? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And why didn't the military go in? Yeah. I'd pull out a shotgun. Why didn't, why didn't any help go into these people? I mean, like what, you know, what, what is that? Does that mean 
it almost makes me wonder, like, because no one stepped in at any point in time to help these people, does that mean they knew about it and they were allowing it to go on as in the government? Yeah. Or, you know, anybody in charge of that area or something, anything. Yeah. But, you know, it's very odd. So around the same time as that was all going on in Russia, there were these three HE-8 seaplanes from the Royal Danish Air Force that were on a photogrammetric survey. And I had to look that up, what that was. And apparently photogram or photogrammetric surveying or photogrammetry or grammetry or whatever the fuck it is, is the science and art of obtaining accurate measures measurements by use of photographs for various purposes, such as the construction of planimetric and topographic maps, classification of soils, interpretation of geology, acquisition of military intelligence, (laughs) and the preparation of composite pictures of the ground. Of course they put military intelligence in there. Of course. Of course. (laughs) That's like, so apparently Lieutenant Colonel Peter Grunnett and Lieutenant Tage Anderson and his co-pilot or his co-pilot that were they were co-pilots mm. um, who later became this Tage Anderson apparently became later on commander in chief of the Royal Danish Air Force. And they were flying over mirror like glacier, which is apparently a, a popular glacier that's like a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, And the freezing conditions had them to where they were seeing their breath in front of them and all that. When Anderson noticed a reflection in the sky and there was a second object up there with them. And when they were realizing there was a flying vehicle around there and possibly tailing their plane, Grunted decided to turn the plane around for a better look. They saw a hexagonal flat craft made of aluminum, what they thought was made of aluminum, or some mysterious metal, as they say. And Grunnett even described feeling a hostile presence from whoever was inside the craft. Okay. Is it because they were being tailed during a military exercise and that's why the guy felt like it was a hostile presence or... Was it like, what would make them think it was hostile? There has to be more to the story. Has to be. So, you know, was it flying really close and that's why it was making them feel that way? I don't know. Well, it was metallic too. So it's probably some kind of, uh, what was the shape of it again? It was a, it's a hexagonal. Huh? Yeah. It's funny. They're bringing out all these new shapes and disclosure, but look at, look at this mm-hmm. from the thirties. Exactly. Shapes. So what the I've, hell, right? I've been saying it. They've been, there's nothing new coming out in ufology. Mm-hmm. Nothing new. My camera went a little fuzzy. Hold on. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, yeah, again, it's been shit like that's been flying around forever. Who knows who it really belongs to. So then in North Dakota, a Leo Dwarshack, and his brother stumbled on a weird object in the sky when they were walking in the countryside. It landed nearby when they tried to approach it. There was a force field that kept them at bay. 
and they watched as rotating lights surrounded the craft and there was an intersection spinning in the opposite direction. No noise, no clouds, no smoke, just pure mystery, as they say. <laughs> uh, the next night, they went back, and guess what? The object came back. But this time, there were human-looking occupants stepped out, and they looked almost identical to each other. Were they clones? That sounds like anti-gravitic technology with the mercury spinning around in reverse. Very much so. To, Very uh, much so. Hmm. There were clones, possibly. Maybe clones. They were identical-looking beings. I mean, that's the hard thing is, like, if you're seeing something extraordinary and you're trying to take in details, the slightest thing could be mistaken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're totally. overstimulated. There's a lot of things. I I don't know. You might have double vision. Maybe you see two of something, but really there's only one there. Maybe. So the brothers are invited on board. <laughs> And the aliens communicate with them, of course, telepathically. Mm -hmm. And they show the boys a vision of the future, including, mind you, this is the early 30s. They show them, according to these boys, the ominous rise of Nazi Germany. And get this, Mark. They told no one. Wow. Well. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no reports yeah. Yeah, of exactly. like two guys coming forward being like, hey, the Nazis are going to come to power. <laughs> right. You know, there's no story of that. So clearly they didn't tell anybody. What happened to those boys? Do we know? Well, what, I what hope they names? died of gonorrhea and rotten hell <laughs> yeah. because, you know, like what the fuck the in North future. Dakota? I mean, that's the problem is, is it, it's what's funny to me is like all these cases where people claim to get these visions of the future mm -hmm. messages for the betterment of humanity. What do they do with that? They get disregarded. <laughs> what do they do with it? Aside from tell people what they were told, they don't enact anything. They don't put anything. There's never been a charity fund created by an abductee, mm -hmm. right? There's no, no. So the humanitarian efforts are simply to make it as though their 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 experience had a reason. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they didn't do anything with it. No, no, like think about all those people that there's stories of where they were given a a, a a message that if humanity didn't start cleaning up their act when it came to the earth, that we would lose it. Right? Yeah. Well, those people didn't turn into Greta Thunberg. No. <laughs> You know, they didn't turn into tree huggers. They didn't save whales. Mm -hmm. What did they do? They told their story over and over and over again. They didn't do anything to help the planet. No, exactly. But they but because they're they're because this humanitarian message came through, oh well that means the aliens love us. Mm -hmm. I don't you know, it's like we'll do something with it. Oh, well, that's like suppressed knowledge once again though, too. Could be. But with this, it's like, how do they tell the story? Mm -hmm. If they have the knowledge of their message. What year was that again? Did it say in the one? 1930s? It so says it just, yeah, mid 30s. OK, hmm. these are all early 30s. So I, I think like 32, 32, 33. Yeah. In uh, Boulogne-sur-Mer, France, another one in France. Young man was heading home at night, stumbled upon a bizarre figure. At first, he thought it was a lost child, but the closer he got, the weirder it got. 
The three foot tall entity was dressed in a tight fitting coverall and had a helmet on. That's a very common theme. Yeah, I've noticed that with the coveralls. And very the common theme. Coveralls and the helmets. By the way, speaking of that, I'm curious. Racing in the 1930s. 1930s Grand Prix season. That's when they had those little slot like cars, if I remember right. I'm, you know, it's interesting because it just dawned on me. Like, what also like that? has that <laughs> same exact attire? A race car driver. Yes, it does, yeah. And cover a helmet, a helmet. And you had early days of cars, early days of flight. I mean, there's a lot of coincidences here. You know what I mean? Yeah, because look at their suits. I mean, they they look just like that. Yeah. Coveralls. Coveralls with helmets. <laughs> Interesting, huh? It just dawned yeah, on me. I wondered. Really but that's, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so is everybody just seeing race car drivers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they could be short, like jockeys, right? Yeah. Generally. <laughs> Yeah, shorter in stature yeah. usually. So then he says that the arms were way longer than you'd expect when the guy tried to approach and the figure turned its head, looked at him, but he didn't stick around, bolted without looking back. Again, what's the point? Yeah, you're just like making an appearance, but why? Yeah. In Cadiz and Delusia, Spain, a group of goat herders, including a guy named Manuel Gimenez, it's Manuel Jimenez. I'm going to say Jimenez because it it's a G. Right, yeah. Manuel Jimenez Hanjuara. Hun, <laughs> Something like that. We're chilling on a hillside when they heard a loud noise and felt a strong wind. All their goats went nuts, scattering in every direction. Their herders hunkered down. When they looked up, they saw a round object, almost like glass, emitting jets of air. That says to me terrestrial energy mm -hmm. or terrestrial technology emitting jets of air. It passed over the, and drone. Yes. Think about that. Yep. A humming noise. Anyways, very yeah, interesting. That's a, like a jet engine with a turbine. Mm -hmm. So it's emitting air out of it and it's humming because it's it, spinning. Yep. Strong wind. Yep. A loud noise. Dude, I'm telling you. It passed over them, kicking up dust and debris. Landed nearby, two humanoid figures popped out, exploring for about 15 minutes, got back inside, uh, inside the craft and took off. Dude, that's totally terrestrial. Oh, it has to be. I mean, that could be like a test craft, you know. Could, could be absolutely. Nazi, like, test absolutely. Craft, right? Well, and think about the uh, the America's UFO. Mm -hmm. Remember that? The What was it? The uh, Air Force, U.S. Air Force UFO. Um, I know they built one. Yeah, the Avro, Can the Canada, that's right. It was Canada's. Oh, yeah, that weird saucer. Yes, that weird exactly. Kind of floats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Looks like a scarab beetle kind of. It's very bulbous. <laughs> Look at that thing. I mean, that dude, that could be exactly what they saw. You know, yeah, you've got that turbine in, in the middle, yeah, producing a lot of air, 
You know, I used to have one of those when I was a little kid. We used to have these little UFOs that they had a fan in the middle, oh, and they'd fly around dude, on the floor. They what? Were cool. I want they one. just like that, actually. Oh, man, I want one. That's the 80s, man. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, dude, it could easily be something like that. Easily. That looks a lot like Star Trek, like the front of the ship. Right? So it could be something like that. Very easily, I feel like. I mean, I don't really know, but that's what it seems like. No, from everything you're saying, I mean, from the story, it sounds very plausible. Very plausible, yep. Um, Then in Durham, New York. People reported seeing a glowing disc with portholes zipping around. Same time in St. Paris, Ohio, a guy named George Sutton posed for a photo. Oh, I actually have a picture of this. Posed for a photo in front of his car, but when they developed the picture, they found that there was a disc-shaped object with a dome on top in the background of the image. Looks like a fly. <laughs> see, see, see how it's like a little weird. It, yeah, what, I don't know. What always slays me is why is the image so blurred? Yeah. Yes. Because even in that time period, images did not come out that blurred. No, look at look at him. That's I mean, right. Yes, he's up close. Yeah. But you think you would see more detail because see where the position is of that craft? Yeah. It's right above those trees, at least. It looks like from the perspective, right? Yep. See the detail on the tree? You see no detail whatsoever on the craft. None. Unless it's coming in and out of light. Maybe by the human eye, you didn't see it when they took the photo, and it's a dark spot once they actually do the development of the film. So maybe it's not even a craft. Maybe it's a void in space-time. Yes. And that's what they... Like just opening or something like that, mm-hmm. or just closing. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? There was a suggestion by a lot of people that it was a street lamp. No. Oh. <laughs> but what's interesting is at first I looked at it and I thought, well, that I don't think that's a street lamp. But then they said there weren't street lamps in that area back in 1932, which is when it took place. Well, and there's no pole. It's, no power lines, yeah. no power poles, nothing. It's too high, too. Yeah. So very interesting. I don't know. Yeah, if it had cloaking technology, maybe that's why that well, appears in the film. I mean, that. again, my thing is like, well, why, if you have cloaking technology, why aren't you cloaked? Yeah. You know, I don't understand making yourself known if you don't want to be known. So over in Joliet, Quebec, Canada, according to John Brent Musgrave's book, UFO Occupants and Critters, There were five people that saw an eight-foot-tall man dressed all in white moving in a strange slow-motion way, almost like modern astronauts on the moon. That that jumping thing again. Yes. This is a reoccurring thing. Right? They were driving and saw a bizarre figure decided to keep on their journey. Didn't stop. Well, eight feet tall, too, so it's pretty, pretty good size. Yeah. Uh, Frederick, Maryland couple was driving near a cemetery, had a run in with a dark bulky creature that they have to swerve their car to avoid. And then it mysteriously vanished into the woods. That's cryptid. cryptid, 
Yeah. Remember that case that we pointed out where it was more of a modern about that couple that were driving their truck. Oh, from the dog man. Episode? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And the thing jumped out and there yep. was, yeah, that was, was running in the field. Very and, similar to yep. that. Yep. Very similar to that. Oakland, California reports from NICAP. NICAP goes way back, dude. Mm-hmm. Way back. Yes. Yeah, it's in the thirties. Yeah. Of several brilliant objects, silver, seven, not so, <laughs> seven brilliant objects flying in formation over the city. Now, I thought about something about formation. Why would aliens need to fly in formation? I don't know why they would either, unless there's some kind of way to. What's the purpose of. Pilots flying in formation. Usually it's a battle thing. It's a battle thing. It's for safety, Mm -hmm. right? It's all these. So let me ask, why do pilots fly in formation? Well, in sports, you have a formation to to do that. For mutual defense and concentration of firepower. Okay. Mm. So my question is, why do you need... Why do you need mutual defense and concentration of firepower in the 1930s if you're an advanced alien species? Because it's the Nazis. Because <laughs> it's the Nazis. <laughs> exactly. My my thinking exactly mm-hmm. is that it's not. It's or hu- our own it's government. humans or our own government. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. In Hawthorne, Connecticut, near Byram River. There was a local resident saw an object in the sky that moved unlike an airplane. Again, in the 1930s, there wasn't that much in the sky. So what's his reference? Yeah. Unlike an airplane was how familiar was this gentleman that we don't even know a name with aircraft in the 1930s? Probably not very. So how can you even use that statement? Of unlike an airplane. The average person had barely even seen an airplane. Yeah, because one of the Wright brothers invent the first airplane. Wasn't it like 1915? Mm, maybe or like early 1900s, huh? I thought it was. It might be, yeah. So that's only 15 years later. 1903? Oh, so yeah, it's yeah, early 19... But still, yeah. it wasn't... like That's when it was invented. That's not... It, there still wasn't like a ton of shit flying around no. then. <laughs> you know? So even 30 years later, there's not mm-hmm. going to be a bunch of stuff flying around. The average person in the 1930s had probably never even seen a commercial flight. Probably not, yeah. Unless they were in like the city or... Let's, let's ask another question. How many commercial flights... We're in the 1930s. I think Howard Hughes started stuff around the 1930s, but. 6,000 Americans, 6,000 traveled in the entire 1930. So that's nobody. (laughs) That's like not even a town. You're not, you're not going to see them. No, No. you're not going to see it. You're not going to see planes everywhere. First airline to fly a four-engine passenger plane in the U.S. 1930. So yeah, and this is very. I mean, this is only a couple of years after, mm-hmm, like three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm guessing 
you know, that. Yeah, I, I it went from get this, though. Well, that's actually crazy. OK, so get this. It went from six thousand in 1930 to nearly half a million by 1934. So it was taking off quite a bit. A lot. Mm -hmm. So maybe, but still half a million people in the air. I, I don't man. I don't know. It could be. It could be. We have to know the total populace at that time yeah, in the U.S. Yeah. Which is so I don't know. I don't know. I it makes me wonder though. Uh, you know, claims like that in the 1930s of well, it didn't move like an airplane. I I want to say, and I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to stick with this that I think the average person didn't know enough about aircraft to be able to make that statement. Yeah, probably not. But that's that's what I'm thinking. Um. And he said that it was cigar shaped with a pink glow at the front or what they thought was the front. And then it made a sudden turn darting off. And as they say, no signs of an engine, no signs of propulsion. Well, there's the cigar shaped craft again. Yep. Those are very common. Yep. Yep. And look, I mean, these go on and on and on. I mean, from the 1930s, you have uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Two fishermen see uh, a disc-shaped craft. Uh, Patia, Sweden, 1933. You have, uh, it was actually published in the 1970 edition of Flying Saucer Review. People were spotting unknown airplanes flying overhead. I mean, dude, that's not UFO. I mean, it is technically UFOs. Yeah, because they didn't know what it was. Because they didn't know what it was. But yeah. that doesn't mean, I mean, unknown airplanes. It, airplanes were generally unknown. That's 40 years later. And in too. Sweden, mm -hmm. you know, some of these places are way out there. Brazil, Sweden. How far along was Brazil and Sweden when it came to aircraft? Probably not. A lot. I would imagine not. I wouldn't think Brazil would be. Me neither. Sweden, maybe, because they're more in Europe, you know. Uh, you have Pennsylvania, where there was a guy referred to as Y. We're going to go with <laughs> Jimenez <laughs> on his way to Nazareth. Well, of course, it was Jesus. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> Saw a ball-shaped craft 10 feet across. And here's what's weird. He could actually put his head inside of it. What? <laughs> the guy claims that on his way, Y, known as Y, Jimenez, was on his way to Nazareth when he noticed a strange glow coming from a field. And it was about six feet high. So he goes over to it and puts his head in it. <laughs> Let's put he, your head in there. Look around. Get this. He says the walls resembled marble with tubes and dials. It was icy cold with an ammonia smell. Hmm. Weird, right? Mm -hmm. That's very weird. <laughs> Why would you put your head? Why would you put your head in a random ball? <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Was People it? in the 30s were nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ballsy. <laughs> then there was uh, another green-skinned, shiny, silver suit, four-foot-tall creature in uh, Saskatchewan. In England, you had uh, a huge circular light dropping down from a formation. It's a formation again. There was apparently there was four Hawker Fury fighters participating in a night cross country training. And they reported a huge circular light 
and the mysterious object positioned itself right in the middle of the planes, causing the land, causing them to land due to engine failure. Hmm. Then it took off again. See, that's a little different, that one. I still think Nazis, though, dude. Probably, yeah. Some kind of technology. It's in England. It's mm -hmm. could be. One of the, uh, although one of the pilots, when it took off again, one of the pilots had burn markings on his face. Well, if it was light, maybe it burned him. Yeah. It was really hot. Yeah, maybe. Huh. Then in 1934, Maya, Ga Maya Gaze, Puerto Rico, uh, Juan Rivera Filiberti is flying his kite <laughs> innocently when uh, he feels a strange pull on it. When he looks up, he spots a huge 20-foot silver sphere. That's not that big. I mean... I suppose if I saw a 20 foot sphere, like a I might boat. be like, that's a big ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hovering above him out of nowhere, a beam of light shoots down, connects to Juan and lifts him up off the ground. And then it, he's inside the sphere and he encounters a mysterious man in a tight, dark green suit at a control panel. And there's also a young woman in a silver suit holding Juan's kite. <laughs> <laughs> they take Juan to another another room inside the craft, and there's a small box projecting weird images. The woman whips out another box covered in colorful buttons, like some kind of futuristic toy. Mm -hmm. She even asks Juan if he wants to play with it. Pressing a button releases a cloud of spiraling smoke that forms into a monkey-like <laughs> creature. <laughs> it sounds like a TV or something, or like an interactive... Uh Almost like a hologram. Yeah, thing. like a hologram, yeah. So then Juan, like a really smart kid, trades his kite for the box. <laughs> Where's the I box? want these mist monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Goes back to the ground, craft zooms away, and somehow he twists his ankle in the process of all this. And when he tries to show the adults, get this, when he tries to show the adults the smoke form monkeys from the box, they can't see them, only he can. Weird. Weird. It's like an imaginary friend. <laughs> it's an imaginary monkey box. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Odd, right? Yeah, where's the damn kite? I want my kite back. <laughs> well, here's what's really weird. As Juan got older, he lost control over the monkey summoning box. Hmm. And eventually, here's what's crazy. Eventually, he buries it near a mountain. Hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah, why? This why? Is, yeah, that's like, why not? I mean, I guess other people can't see what's coming out of it, but... But, I mean, why not... Why bury it? Like, are you afraid of it? Like, what's the point? Yeah, that's really strange. It says it? that he lost control over the monkey's summoning box. So, was it, like, just at will the box was releasing mist monkeys? Is that what was <laughs> going on? They're everywhere. <laughs> Dude. Oh, no, my mist monkeys! All, nobody else can see them, but they're everywhere. They're... <laughs> I just let that shit go, man. Go torture some people. Keep my on calling my missed monkeys. <laughs> that's what that's what uh, that's what the Wicked Witch of the West need to have was missed <laughs> yeah. monkeys. Nobody else could see them. Um, all right. So there's these gnome-like creatures we're going to talk about from Catamarca, Argentina. A group of girls apparently that were playing in a field, just playing randomly in a field, spotted a small person resembling a gnome watching them from the nearby woods. They were spooked and they bolted away 
And there were several other reports of similar gnome sightings in the, in the area following those weeks. In Singapore, around the same time, a young girl walking, around, walking along a road saw a short, large-headed dwarf. <laughs> I mean... It's got a huge brain. That's a dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that appeared out of thin air. <laughs> yeah. And she claimed that she saw the same creature. His name's Doug, first of all. <laughs> Doug the dwarf. And yes, he has a big head. His mother holds it against him. And... Uh, he is short in stature because he's a dwarf. <laughs> That's, it's a, he's a local guy that lives there. That's yeah. why people keep seeing him. A brother, a large-headed dwarf, a short, large-headed dwarf. It's, dude, you literally just described a midget. Yes. I don't, I don't understand what you're mistaking there. No, it was an alien. No, it was not an alien. You're a prick. It was Doug. <laughs> it was Doug. It was Doug the... Doug the the midget. <laughs> Doug the dwarf. <laughs> Doug the dwarf. Dwarfy Doug. <laughs> and smell like cabbage. That yes. <laughs> Nomad folk. Uh let's see. 1934 aboard the freighter Tordenskeld, the entire crew apparently saw a large gray object cruising across the sky. Then a beam of light went towards the ship uh before it zoomed off. The crew saw a humanoid figure inside wearing what looked like an anorak. Hold What's on. That? Hold yeah. on. That's something I forgot to look up. Hold on. I got to look up what a anorak is. A waterproof jacket, typically with a hood of a kind originally used in polar regions. Oh, so it's a big coat. Okay. A big coat. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. In Dulles Hills, London, a married couple saw a metallic cylindrical object outside their house. Two human-like figures standing nearby, searching the ground. When the couple went up to them to approach them, the figures darted away. Oh, no, the prime directive. <laughs> yeah, who knows, man? <laughs> there's a lot of cases. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things from people being on the ground uh, you know, the, the crashes, whether they, the one that the, the, the craft tried to dig itself into the ground. That's super crazy. Yeah, That's weird. Yeah. So obviously I'm skeptical of a lot of these due to the fact that there's hardly any names, you know, the dates are kind of iffy. We just know they happened during the thirties, things like that. I think there's a lot of explanations that could be other things, right? Mm -hmm. Could be government, could be, it could be technology that existed at the time, could have been drones, who knows. But when you look at, again, the time period, it's kind of weird because it is around the time when there, it was before this big boom in technology that we had after World War II. Yeah, it's like right right before that time. Yes, so. yes. And there was a lot. I mean, these go on. Obviously, we know. We know about Roswell. We know about the Kenneth Arnold sighting. We know about all that, right? But this is all prior to that. My thought is this. Was it Nazis? 
was it the Nazis that were rising to power, their technology that they were ramping up, that they were flying around? That's what I think a lot of like the Foo Fighters claims are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of that's the case. And so I have this little presentation put together of a video. The audio is a little rough, but it gets to the point. Okay. But here's what it is the whole, my argument is that I think. The Germans were a lot more advanced than we want to give them credit for. And that they were... Those two boys even saw it anyways, remember? That's right. And that I think that they were a lot more active with this technology than we want to admit as well. But here's what it is. Now, in the the presentation, the the argument that they're using is that maybe aliens influenced the Nazis and that's how they got a hold of this technology. But let's hear what they have to say, okay? So it's a series of clips. That really shocked the Allied forces during World War II was the technology possessed by the Germans. The V-2 rocket, basically a 1940s version of most any modern intercontinental ballistic missile, was at least 30 years ahead of what every other government had available. 30 years ahead of what every other government had available. 30 years ahead. And that was at the beginning of World War II. Okay, by the end of it, who knows how far. Uh, We were talking about before the show. Before World War II, or yeah, at the beginning of it, the Nazis had around 56 of the most advanced submarines. By the end of World War II, they had over a thousand. So they were clearly ramping shit up. Clearly. German aircraft were the first to use swept wing technology, despite the fact that we're told such aircraft cannot fly in a stable manner without computers, which did not exist in a form that could be placed aboard aircraft in the 1940s. According to the U.S. Army's official history of World War II, some German planes even used television and radar-guarded weapons. The Germans were the first to fly... Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) TV and radar-guided missiles in the 1930s. That jet you're seeing, too, that could go faster than any other plane that was out there. Yeah, dude. They actually were able to shoot down like P-51 Mustangs. Yeah. Which were... Exactly. The fastest plane, I should say. Exactly. All right, so now we have... So that's the first part. So that's really to hammer home the whole idea that they were far more advanced than we, you know, than any other government at the time. Okay. So now we're going to get into a little bit more of the technology. Some were made of exotic composite materials, carefully held in place by special radar-absorbing glue. America- radar-absorbing glue. Yeah, how would you know how to make that? How would you know how to make that? <laughs> yeah, like, that's weird. So is it that, oh, they got it from aliens, or were they just, as they did, they were so deep in research and development that they actually researched and developed this technology on their own. Well, if they did in the thirties, that's 10 years prior to the war. That's right. Gives them a lot of time. The V2 stealth bomber. Mm -hmm. There's a striking resemblance to some of the German jets of world war two, 
and is assembled in much the same way. Oh, it's a Jet and Indiana Jones. Remember that? Yes, exactly. It was they were flying it That's around. Right. And they had to That's blow right. Blow it up. Hmm. Were assembled and flown in the 1940s. The question is, how did Germany, which had been forced to disarm after World War One, develop? <laughs> yeah, they were forced to disarm, but did they? Doubtful. Doubtful. Based on the evidence. Yeah. So yeah. much technology in such a short period of time. The answer is they may have had help. They may have had help. They had the Vril Society. They, they did have the Vril Society, <laughs> yep. who did claim to be in touch with aliens from Sirius B or whatever mm-hmm. it was, I think. All right. So now let's check out the last clip to do with this. German plans for saucer-shaped craft found and examined after World War II by the Allied Intelligence Services suggest that the Germans may have had access to one or more crashed UFOs which had gone down somewhere in Germany at a much earlier date. Now they say crashed UFOs from an earlier date. Was it? Or was it crashed prototypes because they were testing them out? Well, yeah. And then well, if you have a crash, one, how are you going to replicate everything? How are you going to replicate it? You don't even know where to begin. I think so it would have taken them years to even figure out what everything was. Instead, no, they ended up from how who knows how old it was. They ended up de- developing the exact same technology within a decade or two decades or three decades. Still. You're talking about, again, as going to an Arthur C. Clarke quote, which is any significantly advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So you're telling me that the Nazis were able to just decipher magic (laughs) out of nowhere? They figured it out? I don't think so. I think that they got this knowledge from scientific experiments because they had no... Now, Sophie, don't be... T- come on now. <laughs> See the t- her, her tail. <laughs> Get over here, you silly kitty. Good space here, kitty. Silly kitty. Come here. <laughs> you so silly. Anyways, um, I just don't think that that's the case. It, it's like the argument of like, if you, if you took a phone back to the 1400s, they wouldn't know how to build it. No, they couldn't even replicate it. Just because you give it to them doesn't (laughs) mean they know how to build it. Mm -hmm. So so just because you have a crashed UFO, supposedly, doesn't mean you're going to be able to build one. So I I feel like this is a I feel like this is a misdirection to the fact that they don't want to give people don't want to, which I understand why they wouldn't want to give credit to the Nazis. But unfortunately, that's the way it looks is it looks as though the Nazis had a really good handle on science and technology and they were able to implement a lot of shit. But let's continue on with the clip. The circular craft, which Germany never had time to actually produce that we know of. That we know of. of. Keyword that we know of. De Glock. Yep. Would have been powered by a sophisticated gravity drive using powerful magnetic fields. The music. <laughs> Was Germany able to la, 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 Nazis from crashed UFOs to jump ahead of the rest of the world There's... in electronics, engineering, and weaponry? 
Considering the fact that the United States spent the next 30 years after World War II ended relearning and copying what Germany already knew in terms of technology. I don't think they had to relearn anything. No. I don't think they had to copy anything. I think that's part of this misconception and misdirection is this idea that, oh, well, no, like, okay, so Operation Paperclip happens. Why do we have to relearn anything? We're bringing over Nazis that already know it. Mm -hmm. So we're not having to relearn anything. They're just teaching our people. Yeah. But they don't want to yeah. say that. So, and then they say, oh, well, and the Nazis had, you know, reverse engineered uh, UFOs because they don't want to admit that the Nazis were a lot smarter. <laughs> I think that's what's going on. I think what's going on is it's a deflection from our true involvement with, with the Nazis. You know, and I think that's a big part of the cover up that is UFOs is to not only cover up the technology that we got from the Nazis and the knowledge and the scientific, you know, research from the Nazis, but it was also their tactics. And, you know, at a time when the propaganda is hate all Nazis for good reason, again, I'm not saying it's not a good reason. I'm just saying when that's the argument, the, the propaganda, well, you can't have a sympathizing government that's like, well, due to technology, we need to embrace these people. That's not going to go over well. So I think, again, this is a big part of this is that it's not only it's not only the technology that was captured, it's the way it was captured or negotiated for, which I think there's a lot of evidence that points to Hitler getting away. How much do you want to bet that was a part of the deal? Probably. <laughs> it's like Napo that, Napoleon, you know about Napoleon, right? Yes. So Napoleon was sent to the island of Elba, and then again he was captured at the end of the war. After Waterloo, and they didn't execute him. They wanted to, yep. but he had all the money, and he started the first banking system, essentially. He loaned Britain all the money. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so they had to keep him alive. It's and, all about optics. Yep. So if you look at what was going on at the end of World War II, it was hate the Nazis. Again, for good reason. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying that with all that at play— they couldn't also reveal that they were making deals with the Nazis. Again, that's not going to land well with the American people, with the mm -hmm. world, with Russia that just spent how much people and, and years fighting the Nazis until U.S. finally jumps in and, oh, the U.S. just happened to win the war for everybody? Or... Because we were a very powerful nation, because we partnered with a very powerful nation, which was the UK, that maybe Hitler decided to make some deals. And that's incredibly valuable. 30 years at least of advanced technology, further advanced than what America had. That's very enticing with all the people that know how to work it. So it's like it's like this, dude. Imagine somebody gives you a, a little Campbell's soup can nuclear reactor with all the instructions to run it. <laughs> That's what America got. Mm -hmm. 
America got the world's, not just Germany's most advanced, the world's most advanced technology handed to them in exchange for ending a unwinnable war. And I mean, obviously, I'm speculating. I don't know that that's what took place. But I'm telling you, to me, the pieces fit right in line there. Right in line with with it. It's just a coincidence that two years after the end of World War II, Roswell happens. The greatest, as people say, the greatest cover up in American in, in the world's history is UFOs? Well, maybe it wasn't UFOs. Maybe it was Nazi technology. And dude, I'm telling you what, there's far more reason to keep that narrative quiet than it is aliens. <laughs> I, in my opinion, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. But what, do you, what are your feelings? What do you think on this? Well, I, I think the Nazis were working with extraterrestrials because okay. they were on a search for tech and ancient relics and Very culture. True. Yes. I think they were working with that. But yeah, I agree with you that there was a trade that was made to basically end the war. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it was either us or Russia gets it, right? Yes. So, well, who knows who was going to get it? Maybe Russia has some of it, too. I mean, we don't know. Well, right? supposedly it was split up between numerous nations. Yes. Israel got some, China got some, Russia got some, the U.S. got some, the U.K. got some, supposedly. Mm-hmm. We and don't NASA even know if 1600... by those scientists. Yeah, we don't <laughs> even know if 1600 is the real number. No. That's no, just don't. a number yeah. that's that's kind of put out there. We don't even know if that... It could have could have been far more. Well, there's whole German towns in like Argentina and Chile, Peru and Chile, Brazil, and Brazil, Brazil, serious. Yep. But there's whole little places. I actually watched a YouTube video on it not long ago about Dude. people speaking like a broken German down there. That well, were, the show Hunting Hitler. Yes. On History yep. Channel with uh, T- Tim uh, Ken- uh, Tim Kennedy, uh, a whole bunch of guys. It was great. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. And one of the only reasons that I believe that hunting Hitler is because um, Tim Kennedy is kind of a no bullshit guy. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else on there, I'm not sure they're all government stooges and whatnot, you know, <laughs> but with Tim Kennedy, I mean, even though he's a soldier, that guy doesn't really fuck around or at least it doesn't seem to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I feel like because he was saying, no, this is true. Well, there was a U-boat that was found. Dude, there's a lot of weird shit that involves that. So again, I feel like the parts line up that, you know, what the U.S. got was all the Nazis play toys (laughs) and that that's what Roswell was. But who knows? I, you know, will we ever know? I don't know. But for now, I'm blaming the Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) I believe I see militia forming. Tinfoil. Militia. Stop, militia. The tinfoil. Militia. I joined the militia, but why would you? What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. Oh, we want you to join the tinfoil militia. If you're a true tinfoilist, if you uh, if you're if you're all about the conspiracies, 
You know, oh, by the way, I heard a great term, conspiracy therapist. <laughs> Instead right. of conspiracy theorist, conspiracy therapist. I, I might need one soon. So we are conspiracy <laughs> therapists. You can come to us That's with right. all your conspiracy stuff. That's what we're all about. And with that, bring your time, talent, and treasure. That's what we're looking for. Time as far as, you know, uh, news stories you think we would like, clips you think we need to, like, you know, highlight a point, whatever it is. Um stories you want us to go over whatever it is send us that if you got a talent our friend casey armadillo does merch on the side for us great guy thank you so much and uh so you could do that as far if you know web design if you know um we're looking to build up infrastructure so we can't be deplatformed. you know that's a big deal these days yeah, i mean we're time. we're always dealing with facebook shit and we're always dealing with instagram shit and we're always dealing with youtube shit you know, so far, Rumble's been pretty good to us, but who knows how long that's going to last. So our whole thing is we're trying to build up infrastructure. So if you're one of those people that you can help do that and get us a little bit more, you know, decentralized, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. So if you know anything about that, please talk to me because um, I would love. And But the easiest is treasure. If you if we provide you value Whatever that looks like, whatever number that is, throw that back at us and send that to us. That's treasure. And we have numerous people from the Tinfoil Militia that do this for us with their monthly donations, their sustained donations. And I love them. Thank you all so much. But also, we have the random people that donate. <laughs> and I love it. And we've got a doozy, man. I've got a doozy. So there is a gentleman by the name of Clyde Boudreau, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. There's an X in there, so I'm not exactly sure if it's, it's French. Boudreaux, <laughs> Boudreaux, I'm not sure, but here's what he has to say in his note. Howdy there, UFO. No I'm going to try and read it as what I think <laughs> Clyde would sound like. I think, I don't know. Howdy there, UFO No podcast crew. I trust this message finds y'all well down the bayou. My name is Clyde Boudreaux, a lifelong believer in all things mysterious, especially them UFOs. I've been faithfully tuning in to your podcast, and let me tell you, it's become a highlight of my week. Y'all do an outstanding job unraveling the enigma of the skies. The enigma of the skies, yeah, Andrew, dude. I like that. This guy's smart. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I can't help but feel a kinship with each episode. Oh, thank you. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, the way you dive into the unexplained with a touch of humor and a pinch of skepticism. I Sometimes I bring a little bit more than a pinch. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I bring a little bit more than a pinch of skepticism. Uh, it's downright entertaining and enlightening. It's like sitting on my porch sharing stories with friends who understand that the world's a bit stranger than it seems. Boy, that's true. Mm -hmm. Especially these days. Yeah. In the spirit of gratitude, I've decided to make a little contribution to your interstellar endeavor. It might not be enough to fund a trip to Area 51, but it's my <laughs> way of showing appreciation for the hours of joy, wonder, and laughter your podcast brings into my life. Keep them stories coming and know that you've got a dedicated listener down here in holy shit. No, that's not the name of the town. <laughs> no, no, the, I'm trying to pronounce the name of the town. Natchitoches, Natchitoches, rooting for you. If ever y'all decide to explore the mysteries of the Louisiana skies. Oh, Louisiana. Uh, there we go. I've got a, a pot of gumbo waiting for you. Wishing you clear skies and countless extraterrestrial tales. <laughs> Clyde Boudreau. Dude, fifty dollars. Hell yeah, That's fifty dollars. Awesome. Sophie, come on now. We can we can get halfway to uh, 
Area 51. <laughs> That's, that'll get us halfway. That's right. <laughs> I keep on getting asked if we know what's there, and I'm like, I don't know what's in Area 51. I have yeah, an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a bunch of strippers and blow. Yeah, probably. For the government. For the government. Thank you, Clyde. Very much. Appreciated. Very much. Uh, yes, Fifty you. bucks. That's amazing. I, you know, and again, look, I don't know what this show means to you. So, you know, I, I used to like try and set up these little tier things and you know and stuff like that. But the truth is, is like people surprise me with mm-hmm. what they find value. So I love it. Thank you so much. It means the yeah, world. Thank you. Uh, we also have a returning a nice. returning donation from Torsten Grotique. <laughs> Another $5. That's four in a row now. Nice. It's $20. And what <laughs> they you. say is he or she, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I would love more info, but uh, but uh, we would love to know more about this mysterious tourist in Grotique. We do know that they come from, I think it's Marsburg, Germany. Or Marburg. Yeah. Is it Marburg? Yeah, yeah Marburg, Marburg, Germany. Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, but the note simply said, now last time, the first note was it looked like a three. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what three means. And then they came back and said that they meant to do an emoji for a heart, right? Which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, another note about themselves and where they came from. Not themselves, really more about where they come from. Yeah. Uh, and then this one, which is simply says, imagine the sounds of coin dropping. So I got you a little sound. Here we go. <laughs> Coins dropping. (laughs) Don't have to imagine it. We can hear it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's amazing. (laughs) Amazing. And look, $5, $50, it it just, whatever. It's just awesome that you guys love to donate. And I love that you love to donate. So uh, look, it really helps us. I'd be doing this show regardless, but the truth is with all the support and with all the energy and of course the cash, the financial aspect of it, um, it makes it to where we can do more. You know, we can make it bigger. We can make it better. We can do more. You know, it's really been amazing with all the people that listen to this show and support us that we've been able to get on some pretty killer guests lately. Mm -hmm. And so uh, speaking of which, upcoming shows, uh, we've got a big, gigantic (laughs) uh, New Year's Eve show planned. We're going to go over, I'm thinking well over 100 of the best sightings, uh, videos, pictures of 2023. So instead of watching the ball drop, watch the UFO what drop. Is the, that's right. <laughs> that's right. We're going to watch some alien balls drop. <laughs> so yeah, tune into that. That's uh, New, Year, New Year's Eve, Sunday, December 31st. Uh, we'd love to see you there. And then uh, coming in January, another Ancient Aliens contributor. Heck yes. Michael Ricksecker. It's going to be great. I'm super excited. But uh, anyways, again, we love you all. Thank you so much. It, it truly does mean the world uh, to us that you support us. New episodes every single Sunday. UFONOPodcast.net is where you can go to donate directly. We're also on patreon.com slash UFONOPodcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. But it's weird right now with all the weird shit that's going on with these platforms. So anyways, but we love you. Go buy some merch. Get involved. Be a donor, not a boner. Be an official tinfoilist in the tinfoil militia. And remember to stay elevated. Keep your eyes to the skies. And watch out for the government. They're shysty bastards. Peace out, y'all. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.